open our Bibles together, please, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, where we find today the verse that we will focus on in the theme of thanksgiving. Right at the end of Colossians 3.15, the Apostle says, And be thankful. Be thankful. One of the characteristics of those godless days at the end of the age, writes the Apostle Paul, is that they will be characterized by lack of gratitude. That being the case, we must surely be living in those days. Thankfulness is an evidence of grace in the life of a person. Thankfulness is evidence that a person rightly understands his creaturehood, that he is dependent upon God. Ingratitude is evidence of self-centeredness one's lack of realization that he's a creature who is dependent upon one who is greater than he. Merrill Unger writes regarding thanksgiving that it is the gratitude for all the benefits of divine providence, especially for the general and personal gifts of redemption. Daniel Rossetti has said that the worst moment in an atheist life is when he is thankful but has no one to thank. We are God's creatures. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are the people that he has made. And as such, it is right for us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And here we see the apostle commanding that we who know Jesus Christ are to be thankful. Now, in a sense, that's like telling someone, be happy. Be happy. It is possible for us to follow that command and to act happy. But when we say to someone, be happy, we're asking them to do something inside in their heart. And I want you to notice the Apostle doesn't merely say, act thankful. Rather, he says, be thankful. It is a matter of the heart. Now, thanksgiving is a duty before it's a feeling. It's a duty before it's a feeling. But how do we get that feeling of gratitude in the heart? The question is, how do we cultivate a grateful heart? Above anyone else, we who are believers should see who the source of all things is. And yet we too, as did these Colossians, struggle with being thankful people. Now we all have bad days and we think, well, why should I be thankful for a day like this? But Charles Lowry tells about a certain Mr. Jones who had a really bad day. His wife, whose name was Mrs. Jones, by the way, decided to get rid of some bad hairspray that she had, and so she thought a good way to do that would be spray it all out in the commode, and she did that. Shortly afterwards, her husband came home from work, and uh, as his custom was, he immediately went to the reading room, so to speak, to relax there, 
And as soon as he was comfortably seated, he lit a cigarette and tossed, tossed the mats between his legs into the commode. Well, you might be able to envision what happened. The hairspray exploded and blew Mr. Jones heavenward. <clears throat> he hit his head on the shower bar in his ascent and then collapsed into the bathtub. The ambulance folks came to pick him up. They put him on the gurney, taking him down the steps. Mrs. Jones explained what had happened, and they got so tickled they dropped him. <laughs> and as a result of that, broke both of his arms. Now, you think you've had a bad day. Consider Mr. Jones, will you? Those who have been given as much as you and I have a lot to be thankful for. George Herbert said in prayer, God, thou who hast given so much to me, give me one thing more, a grateful heart. But then again, how do you cultivate that kind of a heart? I want to share with you this morning five secrets to doing that. Five secret, secrets to gaining and cultivating a heart of gratitude. So that we're not merely acting thankful, but we are being thankful. <clears throat> the first thing that we must do is to reckon honestly with ingratitude. We cannot put our sin behind us until first we face it. Most of us do not perceive what a blasphemy ingratitude really is. Like some other heart conditions, it's one of the acceptable transgressions. But in fact, it is a heinous sin in the sight of God. <clears throat> because it is an attitude of the heart and not an act of the body, we tend to excuse it. But you see, God sees the heart. Since we are commanded by God to be thankful, we know that that is pleasing to Him. Furthermore, we know that it's appropriate for any creature of God to be thankful to the Creator. James 4.17 tells us anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. We know we ought to be thankful. We don't do it. It's sin. Sin is a terrible indifference of the heart. Sin is an offense to a holy God who is the provider of everything. Once we have understood that ingratitude is truly a sin against God, how do we rightly reckon with it? Well, the answer is, first of all, we must confess it to God. Confess it honestly. Confess it openly. Confess it transparently. And say, God, I am ungrateful. God, I do not have a heart that thanks you as it ought to, ought to thank you. And when we have openly confessed it, then to thoroughly repent of it in attitude. I don't think that we will be very successful in cultivating a heart of gratitude until we first see how ugly ingratitude is in the eyes of God. The first thing we have to do, the first secret, to cultivating a thankful heart is to reckon honestly with the ingratitude 
that is in our lives. And none of us is free from this. All of us, to some degree, are infected by ingratitude because of the culture that we live in. The world is this way, and it's increasingly becoming ungrateful. And therefore, we who are God's people must repent of this terrible sin and deal with it honestly before Him. Secondly, we need to recognize humbly our undeservedness. You know, ingratitude basically says, I deserve what I get. I deserve what I have. But the fact is that there is no merit in any of us to lay claim to God's bounty. There is no entitlement for us for what belongs to God. We are today facing a great crisis in our culture because we have developed a, <clears throat> a mentality where people think that support from the government is something they deserve. And many of us would decry that. We would say, no, it's not that at all. People should be grateful that the government is willing to support them. And thankfully, the government can support people who really are in need. But it's that attitude, well, I deserve this. That is a terrible cultural sin. But we have to be careful we don't develop the same attitude toward God. I deserve the things that God gives to me. The air, the water, the sunlight. Even the pulse of our heart is a, are all gifts from God. None of us can demand these things from God. We can't imagine that we have a claim upon them. The Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 17, God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. God gives us life and breath and everything. We need to humbly recognize our undeservingness. He goes on to say, For in Him we live and move and have our being. That is, apart from God, we have no being. We have no being. No matter how high a man rises in life, truly, he must always look up to give thanks. We do not deserve the blessings of God, and yet God has graciously made commitments to us based upon His providence, His grace in Christ Jesus. And God will keep those promises, not because we deserve it, but because that keeping of His promises is an expression of His person. That's who He is. If we're going to develop a grateful heart we have to realize our undeservingness of all that God puts into our hands. If somehow we think we deserve what God gives us, we will not learn to be grateful. Well, that brings me to the third secret to developing a thankful heart so that we can obey this command, be thankful, and that is to recover happily your contentment. Someone has said all the world lives in one of two tents, either content 
or discontent. Nothing makes life more miserable than living in discontent. Contentment, on the other hand, is the soil in which thanksgiving thrives and it produces within the heart joy as a fruit. But contentment is not natural to the human being. Contentment has to be studied. It has to be learned. The Apostle Paul tells us this in Philippians chapter 4. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Interesting, isn't it, the context of that verse that a lot of us claim Paul says, I have learned, I have been through the school to learn contentment. You and I need to recover happily our contentment. The apostle says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You see, contentment is not found in things. Contentment is found in trust. In trusting God to know my needs and to provide them in a way and at a time that he appoints. That's where contentment starts. Trusting God that he knows my needs and that he will provide them in a way and at a time that he appoints. The one who lives content with little possesses everything. You think about that. The one who is content with little possesses everything. It is difficult, frankly, to be content in a materialistic culture like you and I live in. Every day, whether we're driving down the road or watching television or reading a newspaper, we are bombarded with the idea, you need this. The advertising industry is built upon that premise that we need what they are promoting to us. Billions and billions of dollars are spent to convince you and me that we need something more than what we have. Then our society comes along with credit cards and it offers immediate gratification so that if we don't have the money to buy this thing that we're told we need, we can put it on credit. Immediate gratification is one of the sins of our culture. Happiness is not found in having the things that you want, but in wanting the things that you have. 
And so in cultivating a thankful heart, come to this place too where you recover happily your contentment with what God has given you. The fourth secret to cultivating a grateful heart is found in these words. Respond heartily to others' needs. Respond heartily to others' needs. There's an African proverb that says, he who is carried on another's back does not appreciate how far the town is. <laughs> he who is carried on another's back does not appreciate how far the town is. Let's not be those who expect to be carried on somebody else's back. But let's be the kind who will carry, if necessary, someone else and respond to their needs. The covetous, miserly heart is itself ungrateful. It must learn to share, to impart its blessings to others and to God's cause in the world. In Luke 6.38, Jesus said this, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it would be measured to you. Those are interesting words, aren't they, by our Lord? When we bring our offerings to the Lord and we put them in the plate, Jesus says the measure that you use in writing that check is the measure that God will use in measuring to you. Therefore, make it a good measure, a good measure. I don't know about you, but um, I like to go to the bins at the store where things are sold in bulk. I don't know if you get a better deal there or not, but you feel like you do. You feel like you do. And so you get the container, whatever size it may be, and you reach down in there. What kind of a container do you bring out of there? Now, one of the things that I buy is brands. Now, I'm not going to tell you why, that's a little personal, but uh, I buy bran every now and then in the store. It's a very expensive proposition. You get a whole bag up of about a quarter. So when I dig that, that container down in there and I'm going to buy bran, I don't just get a little bit, I keep it in there. And that's what Jesus is saying here. When, you, when you're going to give, get a big measure out and take it around and press it down and make sure you've got as much in there as you possibly can. Because that is exactly how God is going to measure to you. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 16, 17 to 19 say this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God richly provides everything for our enjoyment, he says. Put your hope in God, not in the things that he provides. He goes on to say, command them to, be, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. you know what he's saying there? 
He says, if you and I are really going to take hold of life, the true life, of, of eternal life, if we're going to get a hold of that and enjoy it in this world, then we need to be the kind of people who give generously. We need to lay up treasures in heaven, not upon the earth. If you and I are going to cultivate a grateful heart, not just act thankful, but if we're going to cultivate a grateful heart, it means responding heartily to others' needs. And then there's a fifth and final secret I want to talk about. In cultivating a grateful heart, remember hopefully its source. You see, we're not left alone to work on this project of cultivating a grateful heart. The Spirit of God is within us, and it is He who will change us and cultivate our hearts to be like Jesus. He will empower us to be truly thankful. In Ephesians 5.18 it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. That is, be dominated by, be empowered by the Spirit. And then a little bit later he says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. You see the connection? You see the, the linkage there to being filled with the Holy Spirit? And because of that spiritual life flooding through us, our hearts are changed to being thankful. Remember, hopefully, the source. Cultivating a grateful heart doesn't depend upon, in the final analysis, how hard you work at it. It is how much the Spirit of God is allowed to do in your heart. Because it is He who makes our heart thankful. I want to encourage you to employ these secrets of cultivating a grateful heart. If you do the blessings, will be upon you. John Henry Jowett, who was a preacher in another generation, said this regarding gratitude. He said, gratitude is a vaccine, an antitoxin, and an antiseptic. Three interesting analogies. He goes on to say, this is a most searching and true diagnosis. He says, gratitude can be a vaccine that can prevent the invasion of a disgruntled attitude as antitoxins prevent the disastrous effects of certain poisons and diseases thanksgiving destroys the poison of fault finding and grumbling and he says when trouble has smitten us a spirit of thanksgiving is a soothing antiseptic do you know that a grateful heart may do more for your health than a doctor's prescription? Do you know that cultivating a grateful heart may be better than going to Target and filling a prescription for whatever you're now getting? It may be. You see, in the final analysis, a cultivated heart of gratitude shows its fruit. We don't have to act thankful if we are thankful. Because that cultivated heart of gratitude will show its fruit. Let me suggest to you some of the fruits 
of gratitude that might be evident in your life this week. As you're asking God to cultivate your heart with gratitude and thanksgiving, consider these things as some of the fruits that might be there. As you're gathered around your table on Thanksgiving Day, have each person there, assuming it's your family, for example, have each member of the family tell one thing about each of the others at the table for which he's thankful. We did this one year with our kids when they were a little bit smaller, and when they weren't at the age yet when they saw many things that they could name. They'd rather put them on the spot to have to think of one thing that they were thankful for with their siblings in which there's a great deal of rivalry. But you know what? Each one of them did it. And it did something at that Thanksgiving table that day. Or you may want to think about making a list of, of three people, let's say, and writing notes to them to thank them for something they've done for you or for what they've meant in your life. Or another possibility is if, if you've got an especially difficult person in your life, send the card to that person expressing thanks for something about them. Now, you may have to think a while. You may have to dig. You may have to go back for years. I don't know. But if you've got a difficult person, you know, that'll change that relationship. That'll change that relationship. Find something to be thankful for in them. And then certainly to God, let me suggest these things are some of the fruits that might be there. Consider in prayer the things that you take for granted. Now we all, when we pray, think about those things that happen to us or that are recent. But, but think about the things you take for granted. Or thank God, on the other hand, for things that you may well have avoided that didn't happen because of His grace. Or try this. In your meditation this week, out of your grateful heart, sing, yes, I don't care who you are, even if you're Dave Platterbuck, sing, sing a psalm of praise to God. Now, don't get out Psalm 119. You'll wear out before you get there to the end of it. Psalm 100, you know, pick out one of the other psalms, but sing... It doesn't make any difference if you know the tune or don't know it. Let the Spirit just put the, the notes in your mind and sing out of your heart a psalm to God. Or give a thoughtful gift to some aspect of God's work. Cultivating a grateful heart is a wonderful thing to do. It is absolutely life-changing. The story is told about some travelers on the Oregon Trail many years ago. A party of pioneers traveling in their covered wagons who suffered greatly because of a lack of water and food for their animals. Some of their, their wagons had broken down along the way, causing delays in the stifling heat of the summer. Along with all of these conditions, there was a sense of fretfulness and impatience that had overtaken them. 
All of their optimism about the trip to Oregon was gone. Their cheer was destroyed. So one night they, they decided to call a meeting, and at that meeting they were going to air all their complaints. They gathered around the campfire in that circled wagon, uh, circle of the wagon. They gathered around the campfire. But before they began to air the complaints, one of them rose up and said this, before we do anything else, I think we should first thank God that we have come this far with no loss of life, with no serious trouble from the Indians, and that we have enough strength left to finish our journey. And so someone prayed and thanked God for those things. You know what happened? After finished praying, there was just silence. There was just silence. After they realized the blessings of God, the grumbling spirit that was there turned into a spirit of contentment. All the blessings that come to our lives when we do this, develop a heart of gratitude. Let's pray. Well, down inside your heart and mine, God knows that there is ingratitude. And we need to allow the spotlight of conviction to rest there and honestly take a look at it and begin by acknowledging to God what's there. Then we need to apply the rest of these secrets so that we can cultivate a heart that is pleasing to God and be thankful. Would you tell the Lord right now to be with you in that process of cultivation? Let Him plow it up. Let Him plow up your heart so that you can cultivate a heart of gratitude producing contentment and joy being a blessing to others. Lord Jesus, do this in our lives. Deliver us from being like the world around us, filled with grumbling and complaint. And change our hearts, cultivate our hearts, ourselves working with you in that process, so that we will be a grateful people, for truly we have much to be thankful for. May we give thanks with a grateful heart, remembering what you have done, and what your promises are. Amen. God bless you, Lord.